Shut up and sit down. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Third Shift, my favorite episode of the entire year. This is episode 226, and this is the Third Shift Games of the Year 2020. I'm here. I'm your host, your funky leader, the greatest man who's ever lived. I'm so happy. Can you hear it in my voice? It's me. It's Matt. With me, as always, it's the light bearer, the light bringer, the light bearer, bringer, the beast master of third shift. It's my buddy, Eric. And I got to say, Eric, before we get into this and that and the other thing, you better be ready because it's games of the year. You got to be fancy. You got to dress up. Check this out. I got a tie. Nobody can oh see it but God. you. I'm oh, dressed up. Geez. I got a tie on. Wearing a tie, son. Oh, you're too fancy, man. I don't, I don't get, get, get something going, around. dude. Get something All right. going. All right. Let's see. What's that thing they stick under there? Yeah, no. I'll do there a little you tough you got, thing, you know, the little You got a little shooting. ascot going. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, put that on there. All right, Perfect. I'm fancy now. I'm all fancy. Oh, I'm fancy pants, Mr. Herrick here. Oh, and I have my ceremonial knife as well, as as you can see here. Ceremonial <laughs> knife. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's... <laughs> You know what? I'll give you props. I didn't see Jeff Keeley with a ceremonial knife at the Game Awards, <laughs> so we right. got one up on him right now. We do indeed. <laughs> we're so good. Man, we're good. That's why you love us over here. Woo. <laughs> so what's up, Eric? How you doing this week? We're not going to go into the whole what you've been playing this week because we're going to get right into the action, but man, it's been a week. How's it been? How you doing? How you feeling? You excited? I'm pretty excited. It's been a decent week covered all the bases, had a good time, family, friends, and now, you know, I sat there on my little envelope scribbling and drawing all the games I played this year and and then looking and staring at them and debating on which ones I thought deserved to be where and going, hmm, hmm, scratching them out, putting them back in, scratching one out, putting it back in, going, did I actually play this this game this year? Getting confused on several titles and having to mm-hmm. look them up on when they came out and then getting more confused because some of the dates don't align with my memories, but then I realized that I didn't play some of them when they came out like I should have and then some got played this year. And, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'll tell you. That is 100% true. I went through that same thing with, well, something I'll talk about, but I went through my trophies list on PSN. That's how I was checking out the dates. And I was like, oh, I guess this came out in January. Let me double check that on Google. Came out in December. Oh, I guess I didn't get it first. Oh, but I still played it in 2020, so I guess it's fine. Oh, man, everything's weird. And I should have done that. I should have went and checked my PSN titles just to clarify and ensure everything was up to speed. But of course, you know, I don't even know how to check my trophies anymore on the PlayStation 5. True. It's like 20 buttons and then overs and lefts and rights. And then you got to do like some kind of God code, you know, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. And I'm like, I don't know anymore, PlayStation. You know, it used to be so simple. You just pushed a button and they were there. But now it's not that. You just go over to the trophy and it would go, hey, look, here's all your trophies. Here's your trophies. Now there's a long press and an up and a down and a short Mm -hmm. press to get to the long press. I don't understand. I don't get it. It's bananas. So that's been my week in a nutshell. What about you? It's been a pretty good week. Hey, you know, it was Christmas over the past week. Got a couple awesome presents. There's one right over there. You can't see it because I didn't do my setup for you, but I know it's there and it's on. it's, it's, It's showing a great thing. It's having a great time over there. So that's awesome. Other than that. I just been 
getting all revved up. All this week, I've been like, mm, man, get me, let me turn on my switch. Let me go to my little profile page. What did I play? Oh, man, how many hours did I get in that? Oh, okay, that's probably got to get slotted up here. That's got to go there. One and two were definitely here. So what are, what are three, four, five going to be? What are all my honorable mentions? And speaking of honorable mentions, let's get right to it. Eric, oh, I'm shooting it. it right to you first. Give me some honorable mentions. You can do one, two, three, or you can just... You can give them to me all. We can toss it back and forth. I don't know. However you want to do it, dude. All right. For honorables, I'm just going to give you what I got, and I'll toss it to you. Because we shouldn't spend a ton of time on these anyway. It should just be wham, bam, thank you, ma'ams. Have a great day. So, I've got Control, second playthrough, okay? Yeah, I talked about... <laughs> that's <laughs> guess, that's guess cheap. <laughs> if you had the DLCs, that's acceptable. This is not acceptable. <laughs> I, I, I did this on purpose. I wanted to tell the story one more time real quick. <laughs> <laughs> DLCs hit. All right, everybody knows my game of the year was Control last year. Well, guess what? This year, I said, man, I really want to play those DLCs, but lightning struck and blew everything up, and I had to start all over again. So I went ahead, and I played all the way through Control, top to bottom again, beating every boss, getting all the things, all the upgrades, all over again, finding out that I still loved the hell out of this game, enjoyed every second, but couldn't get wait, get, wait to get home and play it some more. And then, as soon as I beat it, moved on to some other title that just come out and got busy. Guess what? Never went back to the DLCs that uh-huh. I was going to do this all for in the first place. And to this day, the end of the year, one of the last days, I haven't touched them. So now I get to talk about Control next year as well when I play the <laughs> DLCs. Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> it's the best. I love it. Uh, so I had to do that just for the funsies of it. And then my second one is going to be World of Warcraft Shadowlands. You know, you guys all know my history, World of Warcraft coming in and coming out. And this time around, I got in there with a father-in-law, and I'm having some fun. And it's just really good time. I feel like this one's, like, super super fun because the entire story that you go through, which is many, many hours, by the time it's done, first off, you had a great time. You've seen all the areas. You've done all the things. You've met all the playing characters, you know, all the NPCs that you're going to need to know. But the story's just begun. Like, all of that was just an intro. So you know they've got a whole bunch more story to tell, a whole bunch more to get going. Whereas I feel that most other times you get the main story bloop, given to you and then it's like side tales and then some super secret undercover boss, you know what I mean? And then, oh, actually he wasn't the boss. His strings are being pulled by the ancient god Cthulhu, you know. But this time it's like, no, no, no. We're going to introduce you to everybody and what's what the scene is. And then that's it. That's all we're giving you right now. Now you've got to wait for the, you know, the, the expansions, the DLCs, the, you know, the updates, all that stuff to keep unraveling and unfolding the story. Plus, on top of it all, they introduced uh, the Torgas Tower, which allows you to go in single player, multiplayer, but it gives you raiding gear. And you don't have to have, you know, the whole raid team of 10 people plus to do it anymore. And that's always been my complaint because I just don't have friends anymore. So it's, I'm always by myself or with two people at, you know, two, three of us tops. And now I can get quality raid type gear with my friends that I do have and have a great time and feel like I accomplished World of Warcraft, you know, that I, I did it. And I can always do the looking for raid for the, the raids to see the bosses and see the content. But for a challenge, I get to do that. So I'm, I'm super happy. I feel good where I'm at right now. I hope it continues on that pathway, and only time will tell, you know. And I see you smiling and chuckling over there, man. You know, I don't know if I appreciate it. 
I am, because, well, man, this is supposed to just be wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, in and out, but hey, man, let me tell you oh, a tale about World okay. of Warcraft, man. There was a guy. Okay, that's we, it, though. You it's over. when Javis Bloodhorn flew in on his little, on his griffin. All right. It was so cool. And then, then, then I ran up to the castle tower and, and, Look who's talking. Look who's talking. I never I right. never go on a big ramble rant. I ne- never yeah, happens. You never, never, never do that, huh? All right. And my last honorable mention for the night <laughs> is Catherine Full Body Edition. And this is one of the confusing ones because it came out last year. Yeah. But neither of us played it. We just sat on it going, yeah, it's so cool. We should play the game we love <laughs> so much. And neither of us did. Uh-huh. Now, I at least turned it around. Turn that frown upside down, as I like to say. And I played it this year, and I had a great time with it, and I beat it, and I loved it to this day. And I think I, I smolched and talked and just smooched all over it and said how great it is and why Catherine's so amazing, etc. Here's why I didn't make it, in a nutshell. Because the new character and the new content is awesome, but it only goes up to like a few chapters in, and then yeah. unless you pick that individual as your, your interest, it's completely gone. And then there's really no mention of it anywhere else except for like a little couple, oh, whatever happened to Rune? That's it. So I'm like, the game's amazing, don't get me wrong, but beyond those few interactions and then that top off, it's just Catherine again. And that was kind of disappointing to me. I was really hoping that she would stick around and play a big role in it, even if you didn't pick her as your love interest or whatever. It just didn't happen. And then all you got was a couple little notes here and there of, whoa, look, they went on to do this, or, or you really miss them. But I was like, well, you could have done better than that, you know, as a, as a brand new character, a DLC, all this good stuff. But I still love Catherine. So that's why it didn't make it for me, folks. Sorry. Apologize. Sorry, Catherine. Still amazing game. That's right. What about you, buddy? <laughs> so for honorable mentions for me, I got a lot of them. So I'm going to steam through a couple of them just real quick. First up, I got Death Stranding, which obviously I started at the tail end of last year, but played the bulk of it this year, played it on stream, had some of the best stream numbers we've ever had with that game, and just loving every second of it. I love weird stuff. I love weird Hideo Kojima games. So this was both of those, and it was just wild, and you never knew what to expect. Like when you first start seeing like the the big giant whales as you're going towards the end of the game there and just what the hell is going on? There were so many times I was just running around rambling and scrambling, trying to figure out what the hell was going on, what to do. And it was all just fresh and new and exciting. And I had no idea what to expect or what was going to come next. And things were scary and things were shocking and things were moving. And, and then just even when I wasn't playing it on stream, I just got hooked into that building roads everywhere. Just hauling supplies from here to there, meet, you know, bringing stuff to this character, bringing stuff to that character, finding new characters over here that you don't actually ever have to take stuff to. You got to stumble across them, and then they're a node on your map. I don't know, something about it, it just got its hooks into me so much, but now I'm, I'm so far removed from it that it feels like that was fully last year. Mm. So it didn't make it into the top five. What also didn't make it into the top five, which also feels like it was forever ago, I played Guacamelee 1 and 2 this year. It's sometime in... March, I think it was. Both those games, outstanding, precise action platformers with the universe switching mechanic, which I didn't know either of them had as I was going into it. And then the like the platforming challenge rooms in Guacamelee 2 were so intense and so fun. And once you got into that state where you were just hitting all your little movement abilities as you're going through these time challenges, it was just so sweet. It was just, just like a chef's kiss. And then roguelike games. I got into that super heavy over the past year. 
played a whole bunch of them, so this is what I'm going to burn through real quick. Spelunky 2, lots of fun. Rogue Legacy, I went on at least 100 runs of that. I still want to get back to it. As soon as I wrote it on my list, I was like, I need to boot that up right now today on my PS5 because I transferred all my stuff over. Might as well keep rolling into that. And then Star Renegades, most recently, it almost made it into the top five, but I feel like it's too new. I haven't played it enough. I haven't finished enough runs of it, but I'm absolutely loving that game, loving Rogue Legacy, love Spelunky 2. It was the year of little roguelikes for me. I also want to give a quick shout out. This is the one that I had the times confused on for the Borderlands 3 DLCs. Going through my trophy list, my trophies from the first one, the Handsome Jackpot, were from January. So I was like, oh, it came out in January. Google, nope, December 19th. Well, how did that work? I don't know. But I'm going to shout out to all of those anyway, because I played through them at some point or multiple times in 2020 here. And all of them were unique and exciting. Obviously, I liked some more than others, but want to give a shout out to them and shout out to Gearbox for making such good stuff. And then the last honorable mention, here's the first bone of contention. I guarantee you're going to get mad at me. I see, I see it in your eyes right there. You know what it is. You know what it's going to be. It's Ghost of Tsushima. It couldn't make it to the top five. Yeah, there it is. You've lost it. You've lost it. You (laughs) might as well. Hey, and everybody, that's been Third Shift's Game of the Year Awards. He shotgunned it right out. It's over. No, no. (laughs) It's, it's it's, It's just outside. If we had done top 10, all these games would be in it. Ghost would definitely be in there. And you wouldn't even be mad at me. But now it's got to be an honorable mention because I can only choose five unless it did ties, which we did last year. And that was that was dumb. We can't do no, that. No, we're not cheating that anymore. We're not doing that. It's not happening. Better not see it. Man. But I'm not going to talk about that because we'll talk about it when you talk about it. And I'll be like, yeah, it is really cool. And you'll get mad at me. And be like, well, why is it Shut number up. six? Oh, I wanna, you ain't cool. You didn't like it anyway. Be quiet. <laughs> so that's it, huh, man? That's, your, that's all your honorable mentions. There's a whole bunch of them right there. That's That's all I got. Okay. All right, now I do want to say before we move to number five, the official five, Borderlands 3 DLCs were also on my honorable mentions, but due to the fact that I ramble and have so many, I didn't bring it up. But just so everybody <laughs> knows, it's as Matt can verify, it's on my little letter list of, of honorable mentions right I there. I can't read so. that chick of scratch. Yeah, that? you know what? Nobody can. It's like a different <laughs> language. <laughs> so without further ado. <laughs> Number five. Uh, here we go. So, at number five, through much, much consideration and double checking, because I was extremely confused about this title, Monster Hunter Iceborne. Now, this one I was confused on because, of course, I feel like I've played Monster Hunter for years. And I'm like, that's an old game. That ain't this year. That ain't this year. And I'm like, God, I have, I have memories of playing it. You know, and I, but I'm like, no, it had to be last year. You and Shay playing all that and doing all that. And I went, let me check, let me check. Nope, it was this year. Me and Shay played the hell out of Monster Hunter Iceborne this year. And so I went, okay, well, by golly gee, that deserves its spot. Now, and I'll tell you why it deserves its spot. Deserves its spot because first off, I got Monster Hunter the year before, had a great time with it, had nothing but fun with it, and thought it was over. You know, reached that spot where I was like, all right, I've tasted, it, I've had a good time. Then this sucker hits, and I'm not even sure I'm going to get it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times DLC is just, it's fun, but you don't, unless you're really into that genre, really into that, you're like, whatever. But Shay was like, hey, man, I really want to play a video game and have fun again and do something. And he let's just do the Monster Hunter Ice Punch. All right, sure. Picked it up on a whim. Whole new game. Whole new game. 
it shouldn't even be called like an, an expansion to Monster Hunter. It should it should honestly be like just Monster Hunter Iceborne singular or like 2.5, I don't know, because you got an entirely new realm in which you hunted monsters, whole new area, just as big if I think hell bigger than the original Monster Hunters areas were for finding and hunting monsters. And on top of it, you got to go back to the old place on occasion to fight these monsters that were spreading across the land, etc. So you got the best of both worlds. Secondly, a ton of upgrades. They made it so you could uh, follow monsters faster. You could get the trails quicker. You could grapple onto monsters a lot easier. You could hook onto them and chase them down without having to just run after them like a goofball. All that. They made it uh, so the hub itself was a lot more condensed. You weren't going up ramps, doing all sorts of lifts and craziness. It was just this huge, beautiful, like circular area. And you could just do, 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 do anything you needed or wanted was right there. They made it so you didn't have to go into your dressing room, uh, private room or whatever you want to call it to get your calico switched out and do all that. They made it so the calico was right there for you. You could do all that right there. Just, I won't go through them all, but so many quality of life features got changed up, fixed up, made a lot faster, made a lot better for you. And then on top of it all, the heart of the game, the monsters, flipping amazing. I mean, these monsters were just a joy to fight. And guess what? For half the year, I kept my promise for the year and I was streaming and doing stuff. So if you don't believe me, you can go backwards in time and go check those out. Except you can't, because I don't think, I don't know how it works. Oh, you can't. I don't save them up there. So they're gone. They're gone. Uh-huh. You'll never see them. Actually, I could pull them up. I, cause my, my software does save them. So I do have them, but yeah, that's a lot of work. Who knows? So anyways, they are there. And I, and I got all sorts of footage of me and Shay and sometimes just me rocking out playing against these monsters. And let me tell you, man, you want a cool game where the monsters are super different and doing wacky things and you're on the edge of your seat having to make sure you got all 40 of the items you're supposed to bring and the proper weapon types, poisons, traps, etc. Damn, this game does it. It just does it. And I, every time I say I'm done with it and I'm like, all right, I'm out, I start getting a taste for it. And as we were sitting here and I was putting this list together and thinking about that and going... Oh yeah, Iceborne, you know, cause me and Shay played it for a good, probably, you know, 40, 50 plus hours at least when we got back into it again, let alone what the original game was. And then we stopped. And then there was a whole bunch of more monsters introduced throughout the year and different events, et cetera. And I'm like, man, I could totally get on with Shay and me and him could go do the seven, 10 monsters that were introduced since we stopped playing. And on top of it, all the events that went with it. And that's another freaking 40, 50 hours, probably easily right there, of brand new content for me and him. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It was a ton of fun. It allowed me to hang out with a buddy that I don't typically get to play games with. And it does nothing but bring joy and happiness when I think about it. So it, it deserves its spot on number five, even though it technically isn't like a new game. But to me, it really felt like one. So there you go, Monster Hunter Iceborne. Thank you. I appreciate you. Well, speaking of games that get those hooks in you, and when you think about them, you want to play them again, number five for me is in that same spot, because it's a game I stopped playing not too long ago, but when I put it on my list, and I was trying to figure out where it went, I went, yeah, you know, but I never did get every single thing done in that game, and number five is Hades for me, and it was a game that I specifically remember us talking back and forth about when we saw it revealed, I think at the Game Awards like two years ago. I remember tweeting out about it. I remember texting you about it. I'm like, oh, man, this looks so cool. And then I completely forgot about it 
until like two weeks before it came out, maybe. I started seeing some gameplay of it, you know, seeing the, the character in action. And I'm like, oh my God, that's awesome. Bought it, got into it, got into it super, super heavy. It just got those hooks in me because not only is it a really ridiculously fun game, not only is it beautiful to look at, not only is it fun to play, not only is it full of awesome characters, but just the whole way it it takes and spins and expands upon Greek mythology because I always loved Greek mythology growing up. And now you get to see those characters like come to life in a new way. And then you get to see like the ends of their stories or how the stories progress. Like, you know, the legend of this person, he goes here and does this. But what happens after that or what happens after these two characters split up in this game is you're going through these, you know, randomly generated dungeons and fighting all the enemies and clearing bosses and getting through different levels of Hades. You find those characters and then the other character shows up at your little home base and Zagreus starts talking to one of them. And then when you find the next one, he goes, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, uh, he's back at home. Uh, Have you guys been talking at all lately? (sighs) Why would I talk to him? And then as your runs progress, you mentioned that she's out there to the guy back home. Oh, well, will you take a letter to her for me? Blah, 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 blah. And as you're doing this fun, over-the-top action roguelike game and dying repeatedly and coming back and doing it again, you're progressing the story and the relationships of these characters that not only do you know from Greek mythology, but you get to know as friends of you in the game because they have different abilities. They help you out in different ways. It's always great to see Eurydice over here because she gives you cool stuff. And then when you go back home, to, I'm not going to spoil any things that come up, but just the, the way it spun Greek mythology and and brought those characters to life and developed them even further was awesome. And then you get into the actual meat of the gameplay, which is fast and frenetic and so cool. And before you get so used to it or you know used to what powers you're going to combine together and what type of run you're going to go on you're on the edge of your seat every run you make because every bit of lost health that you lose in any kind of regular room that's going to affect your run later down the run if you're in those first few rooms you're like oh well i'm not really paying attention whap whap oh now there's 10 hp gone uh it takes a lot to get your hp back in some of those runs so that's going to affect if you're even going to get past that first boss or the second uh-huh. boss or the third boss Every little screw up on your end, it's intense and it makes you start biting your nails and start freaking out. But then once you master the systems and you get into that flow state of that fast paced action combat, dodging and attacking all over the place, as soon as you see those enemies and you know what they're going to do and you know what you can do to them and then combine that with all the boons you've been storing up all during this run and the weapons you got and the stuff that you put on the weapons to make them even different, it's amazing. And then once you escape from Hades, the game isn't over. That just opens up more story content for you to work on because you've accomplished one goal. Yes. But what are you going to do with what you find there? And I'm not going to spoil anything. If you, I would say generally we'll do spoilers if we want to, but on this one, I appreciate it because it's a title that I told, as I've already said, I did two rounds in, thought it was freaking amazing, loved every bit of it. And then I haven't touched since. And yeah. I keep, it's the one I keep going, hey, hey, you got to get back and play some Hades, but you're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be playing that. You're supposed to be playing that. So, so I asked, I want, I will be playing Hades. I will be playing it. It's just a matter of me getting my butt in gear and getting on it. And I don't want to spoil it for any of the listeners out there either, but it's just meeting and expanding upon those characters. And even when you die and get frustrated, I can't get past those two 
at the third level there. When you go home, it's just like you're coming home again because all your friends are there. They all have something new to say. You can give them gifts to make them have even more things to say to you or progress your relationship with them. It's so much fun in every single way. It sucked up 45 hours of my life before I even realized it. And I just want it to, I want it to take more, even though now I'm at the point where I can escape no problems. I can beat the boss at the end. And I've actually gotten to the completion of the big overarching story. Even though that's there, even though I'm to that point, I still want to play it again. So Hades has to be in the top five. And it's it's only at number five for me right now. Bananas. It's bananas. It's going to be ridiculous to see what kind of kooky, crack brain games you decided to put at the top here. So I agree <laughs> with you, though. It does deserve a spot. But since, like I said, I only did the two rounds. I yeah. can't speak to it and can't go anything with it. But I agree with your your game in there. It's a good choice. Good choice, Matt. And of course, dun, 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 we're on number four, boys and girls. Now, number four is a game that Matt has already spit on. He's kicked in the in the gut. I did, you know, no, what I, mean? I said and, I said it was it was a top ten game for sure. And I'm not gonna let this. I'm not gonna let him do that. I'm gonna pick this game back up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get the dirt off, and I'm gonna say, Ghost of Tsushima, you're at number four. You deserve it. Don't you? Why worry is it only about number four? Oh, why you hate this game so much, Eric? It's <laughs> well, number four. That if you're going by percentages, it's only a forty percent game. What the heck, dude? Yeah, it's like it's kind of garbage, almost. Really, I mean, everybody knows the top three is all that really matters anyway. <laughs> Well, I guess if we think of it that way, then sorry, I'm kicking Ghost 2. But let me tell you, this game, I knew I wanted to play it because it was a whole meme. It was a joke. Me and Matt talked about it all year long. Ghost Sushi, man, you heard of that game? Oh, man, game of the year for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. And so it got to the point where it's like, yeah, we got to play it. I mean, we've, we've just joked about it too much not to actually get it and, and have fun with it. So... Got it. Going, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy this, but I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy this. I imagine it's sort of like Horizon Zero Dawn, so I can't imagine it'll be terrible. And boy, opens up, you do those whole little the intro scenes, you do that, and then all of a sudden, you kick free, you're on your horse, and you're riding off, and all the, the reeds and everything's flying by, and it's all cinematic, and then it just goes, and here you are. And you get control, right in the middle of this like beautiful cinematic scene. And then you realize, no, this is this is the game. Yeah. Not a cinematic scene, this is what you get to play. And you just chicka chicka chicka. And you're like, wow, this is beautiful. Oh my god. And it, right then it just punches you. You're like, oh, okay. All right, I'm in for a treat. This is something right already, right here. I haven't even done much. And then I go, I don't even know what I want to be. You know? Do I want to be a samurai? Do I want to be a ninja man? Do I want to be a bow guy? I don't know. Well, I don't know. So I start off going, I'm going to be a bow guy. That's what I'll do. So I'm, I'm playing through the game. I'm going to do bow. I'm meeting all these awesome characters, you know, which we'll talk about a little bit. But as the game progresses, I realize, no, no, a bow guy is amazing. But naturally, I start to shift into Ninja Man. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm sneaking around. I'm doing snipe, snipe kills, doing all that, having a great time. And then naturally, all of a sudden, I'm a samurai. Now I'm in there, come out and face me. And I'm doing the five kills right off the bat and then the extra bonus kills. And then, you know, just, I don't, nobody can stop me. And then naturally I end, I'm going to be a Ronin. Now I'm going to go in, I'm going to sneak around a little bit, take out some perimeter people, and then I'm going to go in and slice and dice and see if they can handle me. It was awesome. Like, 
I rarely play a game where I don't find my niche and just stick to it and just roll and beat the game. I go 100% into that and then I kill it. This one wasn't like that. I just naturally throughout the game was like, oh, I want to try something different. I'm going to do something a little bit different. And you know why that happened? It's because they introduced awesome characters that you were forced to kind of do different things with. And that made you realize how fun or cool just doing that is or how useful it can be. So, for example, my chick, Adachi. Old lady Adachi, crazy as all hell. She don't, she don't care about nothing, nobody. She's like, we're going to murder. We're going to murder, Jen. I'm like, all right, I, I typically don't do that. I, I kind of like, I kind of like to sneak around on the rooftop. She's like, nah. And I'm like, well, hang on. She's like, nah, bro, watch this. And she just starts screaming and runs into every fight. And like, I'll kill everybody. And then uh-huh. there's like 90 babies coming at you. And so there you are. You're just a freaking Ronin or Samurai, whichever one you want to be, slicing and dicing nonstop. All right, and then of course you got your old bow man. What's his name? Ishikawa. There you go. There you go. <laughs> he was all about, of course, the bow. It was always, hey, let's perch up here. Tell me where you think you should shoot from. So naturally, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa that makes sense. I shoot up here. If I get rid of all those guards right there, and then shoot these guys, and then make sure I lure them in through here, I can shoot the the explosive barrels or the bee things. And all of a sudden, now you're a bowman. Now you know what where you should be getting the points to you know get all the vantage and and, and take out the camps, all that good stuff. It went on and on like this. Just everybody you meet has a different way they go about the world and doing things. And you kind of just adapted to that while you're with them doing their storylines. And then you kind of realize you liked that. And then you just were hey, you know what? I'll put a few points over here and go do this too. This will be fun. It's almost as if the game molded you just like the teachers in the game molded Jin. Uh-huh. So now you have all the skills to go do all the things just like he does. You became the ghost – just like he became the ghost. Yeah, exactly. And it was it was amazing. It was awesome. And then while you're doing all this, you're going to these different biomes and areas. You're collecting the, you know, the foxes and the fox dens and the little shrines and stuff. You're doing all that. There's just everywhere you went, there was a village to be saved, a side quest, somebody in danger, the fox dens. There was the, uh, the shrines that you had to go do all the cool jumping puzzles with, mm-hmm. which were super fun and just brought me back to old school gaming where you're just looking up and going, oh, I got to climb to there, jump over to that, oh, shimmy around to the other side, jump down, run around. I was like, wow, yeah, this brings me back to old school gaming right there. Oh, so much fun. And then the vantage points that you always got at the end of like, in in specific, the the shrines, Mm -hmm. they always ended up putting you at this beautiful spot where you could just stop and look out and see the ocean and the ships coming in or see the mountains and the mists and the clouds rolling over it or the, or the reeds across the plains rippling with the animals running through it. Just beautiful. I thought it was wonderful. What'd you think? I mean, I got to agree. Everything you've said is 100% correct. That's why we did a whole episode about Ghosts of Tsushima Uh and why we talked about it a lot on what we were playing over the week. What has always stuck with me and what I've mentioned on the show before is that sense of growth throughout the game. You start off, you're like a beaten samurai. You got basically no skills. As you're running across just random bandits, dudes in just a loincloth and basically a tunic, they can kick your ass. At the end of the game... Literally nothing can stop you. I progressed through all those stages, just like you said. I was going to be a samurai to start with, kept getting my ass kicked. I went, well, okay, I'm going to just going to be sneaky, stabbing the back Jones, progressed into a bow man. And then it got to the point where I had so many abilities and so many skills that even if it was a room full of 20 dudes, 
I wasn't sweating it at all. And what I love too is you got to be so good. There's all these armor types for all the different roles. Like you, if you're going to be a samurai, you wear the samurai armor. This is your melee attack armor. You know, if you're going to be a bow guy, this is all your bow stuff. I ran around in the traveler's gear for the last 33% of that game, which helps you find artifacts on the map. And anytime I got into a stealth situation, I could handle it just myself without any bonuses. A bow situation, same thing. A room full of 20 dudes, I don't care. I remember playing it on stream and Shay got in and was like, why are you doing a bunch of melee fighting in the traveler's armor? That's stupid. Like, this is, this is me. This is mm-hmm. my gin. That's what he does. And I, I never got down to even low health with that. Just every situation, the game teaches you how to deal with it and gives you the tools, whichever kind of tools you want to use to deal with it. It's amazing. Yeah, it did. And of course, briefly speaking on the gear, like Gusaku's armor with the warrior red brimmed helm, I mean, uh, hat and then uh, the broken demon's mask. That was my gin. Like that is what I was, what I wore. And then I had this beautiful, sword kit that had these red and black stripes going down it with this devil hanging off the handle. Oh Mm -hmm. my God. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. It was exactly what I wanted to be. And not only that, but I could have been something else because there was just a million beautiful suits, costumes, et cetera, to wear and sword kits to pick from. They did just a great job of allowing you to be the gin you wanted to be, play the part you wanted to play. And of course your sidekick, Yuna throughout the whole thing you know, it was an awesome relationship where, you know, it, it where you're like, oh, is this going to be an interest? But it was always with, always held back and, 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 and just, it felt right because it was like, you know, you, you can see this could be something, but because of your stature, who you are, who she is and everything else, it wasn't working. It was never going to work. And, but it, it, it like, there was moments where you thought maybe it would, but it didn't. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. You know, it really just put me in there and just made me feel like maybe, this was more than just your typical game, you know, because in, in any normal game, you know what, and you would have kissed and probably laid together at some point, you know, yeah, towards yeah. the end, especially or something, but it didn't happen. And that, and that was like, well, this makes sense. You know, and part of me was like, ah, oh, man, darn, you know, I was, you know, I was hoping me and you would have a happy ending and move off into the sunset together. Nope, not the way it goes. And I like that. I like how that worked out because it's kind of, it felt more real. Like, that's just not the way the real world works most of the time. And, Hey, you know what? This didn't either. So I won't spoil everything in the game, even though I spoiled some parts. But I I could talk about this again for a whole hour more. It's just ridiculous. Ghost of Tsushima took me by surprise, damn (laughs) And another thing we could talk about is that free Legends mode upgrade. I, I, I view it now. It's just, yeah. <laughs> because I was, I'm trying to be nice to Matt because, you know, he didn't even put it on his top five. And so I didn't want to mention the DLC Legends, which throttles this thing up by uh-huh. acres and miles. The Legends DLC was flipping ridiculously good. I mean, a whole new game all by itself for free to everybody. For free, yeah. And it was fun as hell. It is fun as hell. And there's a whole raid we haven't even touched yet. Amongst the, all the cool single player or, you know, cooperative levels we got to go through, all the, the, uh, the, the survive you know, battle rounds we're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I could still go play right now and have a fantastic time. And I still want to go play it and have a fantastic time. But of course, I have it installed. <laughs> so if you ever yeah. want to do that, just let me all know. Right. <laughs> well, we need to just do it because I, I want to do that raid. I yeah. really want to get in there and do it before we say goodnight and goodbye. To Ghost of Tsushima. But with that being said, don't miss out on this title. You can get it on sale all over the place. I, I'm telling you guys, it's a fantastic game. You gave me the best segue that there could be. A game you could find on sale all the time 
is my next game. It's number four, and it's how I found the game. I was browsing around on the Nintendo eShop. I was like, oh, man, you know, it's a big sale. Oh, what can I find? Sort and buy price. And I'm pretty sure... Actually, you know what? I think I got this for like only maybe 25% off. So it was like down to 15 bucks. And I was like, what's this game? Never heard of this game, Hunt Down. What in the world is that? And I clicked on the little eShop page and it popped up. And, you know, you go over once and then you can see the trailer. And I watched the trailer for Hunt Down and I went, I have to get this game. And I have to play this game. And I played the ever-loving crap out of it. I found as I was putting together my lists, I have games that I put a ton of time into and games I put a very short amount of time into, but they meant a lot to me when I played them. And that was Hunt Down. Not only did I find it on sale and just fell in love with the trailer of it, but I was in a gaming funk at the time. I was like, man, you know, I think Hades hadn't come out yet. Or if it had, I was like in those initial, like, I don't know if I like this game or not type of runs. And I got Hunt Down. And for that week, I was just Hunt Down Man. That's all I played. And Hunt Down is that, I guess it's kind of post-apocalyptic. I mean, it kind of reminds me of cyberpunk or the Outer Worlds where like mega corporations have come into power and the police are trying to contain all these rival gangs that are all over the place. And to do so, they hire you, a bounty hunter, to go hunt down these, I think it's five gangs and they each have five stages each. And each stage has a cool boss. And it's that kind of 80s post-apocalyptic or like gang scenario. It looks like Escape from New York or The Warriors or you know, some aspects of Terminator, how it's like everything's run down, everyone's all dressed up in neon and gangstered out. But what hooked me about it was not only that style, but it's the beautiful pixel art that goes with it. It's the loud, bumping soundtrack that goes with it. When I watched that trailer, it took me, whoosh, I mind warped back to my buddy's house playing games on his Sega Genesis with the TV sound turned way up, you know, playing Streets of Rage or something. That's what this game reminded me of. And every time I play it, I turn my TV up real loud and I'm back in that moment or I'm like at the arcades, you know, back in the late 80s when you got that, uh-huh. just the big bumping sounds and then like you'd hear crazy gunfire from behind you and turn around and go, what's that game? That's what this game is. It's run and gun, arcade or Sega Genesis type action, beautiful pixel art, huge explosions everywhere, all kinds of weapons you can pick up either from the enemies who have those weapons or you just find them in secret rooms, blowing open rooms to find secret stuff. There's these secret areas that have homages to all these great 80s movies. I mentioned Escape from New York. There's one I found and posted up on Twitter of Snake Plissken coming in his glider. And he hops out and he whistles down to you and throws you his gun. And now you have this special gun that only happens in this area of this stage to run around with that's super powerful and super fun. So it's just, it's just wild arcade Sega Genesis type action. Running around through crazy levels, shooting crazy enemies, having fun fighting these awesome bosses who steadily just progress in power power and scale and scope and ridiculousness. I mean, it's a short game if you blast right through it, and I blasted right through it, but I had so much fun that I immediately started up another game with another character to blast through it again to find more secrets to get all the little in-game achievements you can get. It's ridiculous, and it's super cheap everywhere. Like, every single eShop sale I see, Hunt Down is in it, and it's amazing. (laughs) It's always cheap. It's a quick play. If you have any of those memories of those 80s, 90s Sega Genesis times, you're going to love Hunt Down just like I did. Well, folks, that is a glowing review. I can't wait. Maybe I'll check it out. I I said I was going to play some indie games. 
I didn't do it. It's fine. I failed it all. I failed it all. But maybe, maybe redemption, maybe redemption waits for me in 2021. You know, we'll find, we'll find out. But while we're waiting to find out and travel back in time or forward in time, I'm going to talk about the dun 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 dun. Number three, folks. Here we are. We're getting to the nitty gritty. These are the top threes. This is the games that are the closest to the hearts and minds of Matt and Eric. And I'll kick it off with my number three, which is 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Okay? Let me tell you, this game came out of nowhere. Alright? I didn't really, I didn't follow this game. I didn't really know anything about this game. And then out of the blue, I saw some commercial or some kind of thing that just was like, hey, VanillaWare is coming out with a brand new game. And of course, Atlas is publishing it. And 13 Sentinels. And I was like, huh? I mean, I, 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 you know, I like VanillaWare. I've enjoyed their games. I've never been real big on them. I'm the type who's played them for a few hours and then I never, I give up and I never beat any of them. But I enjoy them and I like them and I think they're cool. And I went, man, I'll watch this. And then it was that weird thing where I latched onto it and I just took it. Like I was, like I was the biggest fan. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you've all had that where you're like, uh, yeah, I I love VanillaWare. I, 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 13 Settles <laughs> is going to be the best. I had no idea. But whatever, I don't know what did it, but it just something about it just was like, hey, yeah, 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 you're on board. So sure enough, it, I was really excited to play it. It got delayed. And I went, oh, I was so hyped. I was going to play this game. I was ready to go. And then it got delayed by a few months. And I went, well, that's okay. Because I remember it was some games coming out and everything was happening. And I, I think I even told you, I was like, oh, it's probably for the best because... I don't know, man. It's a lot of stuff. So, anyways, it comes out. I get it. God bless you guys. I'm telling you, I've tried to convince Matt to play this game. And I tried. I'm still going to play it. I'll play it in 2021. (laughs) The fabled 2021. It's going to save us from everything. It's going to save us. (laughs) So, you get 13... Characters, 13 Sentinels, there you go. 13 characters, 13 Sentinels, because each character operates Sentinel. There's time travel involved. It's a, it's got three areas. One is the story mode where you could do this 2D, beautifully hand painted everything, and the story unfolds, and you get to pick any character you want of those 13 characters and roll through their stories and see how they got to be where they are and how everything unfolds. And then there's points where they'll lock up and you can't progress until you do certain other characters up to said point. Because in this game, all the stories interlock and inter- interweave amongst each other until the culmination at the very end where it all unfolds and you see and you understand everything. I've talked about it before, but the whole point of this game is to unapologetically throw you into it without explaining it and just go. And you, the player, start taking all the pieces and putting them together as everything unfolds, as you collect the collectibles and go to the third mode, which, like I said, there's three. One, the story. Two, the battle. Three, the the gallery, where you go and inspect items, inspect scenes, and, and glimpse and get to see all the information that's involved with said items. So you, in the story mode, will do all this with these characters. And let me tell you, all 13 characters... Completely different personalities, all right? There's so many personalities, so much fun with them. You know, Tomi, oh, man, what a joy. Just an a-hole character. She just says it like it is. And, of course, you know, of course I appreciate that. So I have a whole bunch of fun with Juro. Poor guy. Such a nice dude. Wants to help. Be helpful. But it's all freaking confused and jambled up in the head. And, of course, you don't understand why. Oh, I'll tell you, I can go on forever. I won't, though. But let me just say, the characters are cool, unique, a lot of fun. The, the drawings, the artwork, everything looks like a painting. 
which if you've played VanillaWare games, you understand what I'm talking about. It's that timeless quality where it just looks good no matter what it is because it's literally artwork on the freaking screen. And then lastly, in the destruction mode, this is where you get your uh, Sentinels. You're in, in, and the game throws you in the very beginning into the Sentinel mode, which is this really weird, like, uh, it pops you up on the top. The city comes up, but it's in, like, weird white and blues. Like, it's all drawn in, like, weird. Like, you're looking at some weird old Atari game almost. And then you take control of your characters. And they're all there. And you're, you're controlling whoever you want to control. But you don't understand why. Because in the story mode, you don't even they don't even know each other yet. But, like I said... This game unapologetically is just like, figure it out. You don't know what's happening. They don't know what's happening. But you're going to find out. And you just go. And you start learning. And you find out that it's like a strategy RPG. And they ease you into it. It's super easy. So even if you don't like strategy RPGs or never played one, it's Barney. Like I I told Matt when I first started playing, I'm like, I hope it's not like this way all the way through. Because it was like stupid easy. But I don't know. And then it changes. And over time it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. For me... It stayed only average until the end game at the very post game. Then now all of a sudden it's challenging. But for normal players, sure, it's probably going to get ramped up to the point where it's actually difficult. And it was a lot of fun, regardless of how easy or hard it was. The skill sets, the different things the players can be, you know, the, the different Sentinels have different abilities. You got your, your, your ranged, you got your melee, you got your all arounders, you know, all that stuff. So you'll learn how they operate and then you'll have to use them accordingly with the different fights, which they tell you like the different uh, baddies come in. It's a whole thing. I've talked about it before, but let me just say for all those reasons, for the artwork, for the soundtrack, for the characters, I'll never forget them. In fact, my screensavers on my computer, or 13 Sentinels, because I just love those characters. And I want I want all their cool figurines all over my desk. I want to know more about them. I want to get more story on them. And it stinks because the story wrapped up, you know, and it's over. And I know I'm not going to see a 13 Sentinels Part 2. And it's like, I don't want it to end. And I can tell you, for me, if there's something I don't want to end, and I think about it constantly even after I'm done with it, it deserves to be on my list and it's there. And then I try to get my friends to play it and they don't play it. And I get sad. And it just you know, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. You deserve it. 13 Sentinels. Well, obviously I don't have anything to say about that game. I am going to play it in 2021. I promise. I swear to God, I'm going to do it. But I will say a lot of the things you talked about for your number three, fall in love with the characters, want to know more about them, want to spend more time with them, want to have the little figures of them all over your desk. That's what I feel about a lot of the characters in my number three, which is a game that I've put now 275 hours into. I checked it on my Switch, and I went, "That's there's no way that can be right. But when you think about it, I play this game at least one hour every single day during my lunch, and that's Animal Crossing New Horizons. And man, you want to talk about a game that came out of nowhere. I have never played Animal Crossing. I've never had any interest in playing Animal Crossing ever in any of the other games. Well, what do you do? Uh, run a town and like pick berries and uh, talk to the animals? <sighs> I don't know. That doesn't sound like it's for me. And then for some reason, like two days before the game launched, I went on YouTube, maybe a suggested video, somebody playing their pre-release of Animal Crossing New Horizons or a review from some media outlet. And I watched it and I saw them running around on this cute island, talking to cute little fuzzy characters that have that like felt look to them now, because the Switch does that so well. And I went, you know what? Maybe this is for me. Because I saw the buildings and the items that these people had made during their town runs, and like shots from two different people's towns. This town was all looking like this, and this town was totally drastically different. And, you know, terraformed all up and down. 
And the more I watched, the more I went, I have to play it. For some reason, I just went, you know what? Boop, 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 boop. Went on Amazon, order it, get it to me on launch day. And I played it on launch day and I immediately fell in love. I like hanging around with those characters and meeting new characters. And each time there's a seasonal event that comes in, I love finding out what it is because you meet a new character for each event and then they give you a task to do. And you do this task, maybe craft recipes or, you know, the the latest one, the toy day, you got a little sack, a little Santa sack and you put on your little Santa suit and you take presents to all your little friends. And then after the event's done, you can still have a little gift exchange with them and give them new outfits or new furniture for their houses. And the next time you go there, they're wearing the little, you know, shirt with the little scarf on it that you gave them. And oh man, it's so cool. And it, so- it sounds dumb when you say it. If you're not an Animal Crossing person, it just sounds stupid. Oh, I go and I hang out with Egbert and I talk to him and I give him gifts and then I go fish and I catch bugs and I take him to the museum and I put him up for display. But there's something about it that's obviously, I played almost 300 hours of it. Mm-hmm. It just hooks me. And then you're meeting new characters, you're doing this stuff and you get your town looking just how you like it. And then what's gotten me lately is you can go on YouTube and there's so many creative characters who've set up their islands in all kinds of different ways that you would never even dream of or think of on your own. They're using custom patterns for like the big wall partitions to make a whole city street going down. It's amazing. And now they've added the ability for you to dream of these other islands. Now you can visit random islands. I did it a couple times. I was blown away by the kind of stuff people can make in these places. I traveled to my friend's island. I'm like, wow, you have so much cool stuff. She's got like all the end game stuff. She's crafted like every single item. It looks amazing. And I'm like, wow, my place looks like crap in comparison. And then I fly home via a little seaplane and I get out and I walk into my little entryway off the airport and I'm like, I'm home. It feels like I'm home. Like when I walk in this door, that's what I feel like when I boot up Animal Crossing. I'm home with my friends. I mean, it sounds goofy, but I don't know, something about it is a nice break from everything else. Not not even just like in the world and all the chaos and stupidness, but all the other games you play that are violent and crazy and stressful sometimes or big, long, giant experiences that you know you got you to gotta get through that. But when you boot up Animal Crossing, you just chill out. You do whatever you want to do. If you don't want to go fishing today, you don't have to fish. If Lucha says, man, can you bring me a bug and you don't see it? That's not a big deal. He's still going to like you the next day. Everybody's happy to see you. Everything's friendly in that game. It's nice. The music is just chill, sort of groovy, but just like nice and relaxed. It's just like a beautiful chill pill. And I don't know why it appeals to me so much, but it totally does. And I love all my time with it. I debated putting it as an honorable mention because it's not like a game like most of these other games are, but I've put so much time into it. It has to be on the list somewhere. Sadly, it can only be at number three because of what's coming next. But man, it's oof, it's amazing and I love it. So I'll tell you, I can't speak to Animal Crossing, which I find hilarious. I should get it. I should have gotten it and actually played with you. But, you know, who could have thought Matt was going to like Animal Crossing and be into yeah. it like that? And then also what I've stayed in it, I don't know. But I just want to tell you in a parting comment from this, welcome to how I feel about World of Warcraft. Yeah. Now you understand. It's home. I just, that's where I am. I, I, I have memories and just places and just everything. It just feels like that's where I'm supposed to be, even with most of my friends all gone. But the ghosts are there. You know, it's all still there and it just feels right. So now you get a glimpse of it. 
Thank you. Appreciate that. Even my friends, my friends from the island have moved away. Occasionally you see him on your little villager hunt. It's like, oh, it's Buzz. Oh, he was here for so long. Ah, oh, I don't know. It's it's wild. <laughs> but now I, I do know it because I go in and I do my dailies at work every day. Mm-hmm. And I say hi to all my friends and I dig up all the fossils and I do all the stuff. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. It's the same exact thing, literally. So there you go. All right. <laughs> We're getting the nitty gritty. We're getting the number two. So, man, it's just... It's a big deal. All right. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. You're not, I know you're not going to do it. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to do it. I just had to set it up to make Matt go, are we serious? Or is this what's really happening? There's a sweat drop rolled down the back Uh of the neck. It's like, oh man, no, come on. Oh, you you know, I can't do it. But what I can do is tell you these last two games are both titles that I've had to play through twice. Now, one of them I played through actually more than twice if you just, you know, see it in a different perspective, but that's spoiler alert. I don't play games more than once. That's just not what I do. I don't, I ain't got time for that. All right. So the fact that these both are titles I've done twice now tells you something in and of itself. So without further ado, number two, Final Fantasy VII Remake. All right. And I'm going to start this off with the first time FF7 Remake hit. It came out. I was in it to win it playing Persona 5. All right. Persona 5 Royal. And FF7 remake. They were fighting for time. They were fi- they were vying for my attention. And I kept telling Matt, and he said, "Oh, how, how's FF7 remake?" I'm like, "Oh, it's it's a it's a good game. It's good. It's fun. You know, said, yeah, that is. I mean, it's just fun. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Right. Uh, uh, Persona Five is just better. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if I'm gonna get it, man. What's well, a good game, Matt? Yeah, but it's just good, dude. I mean." I, I don't, I was a big fan of FF7 anyway. True. Yeah. All right. I guess I see that. And that was it. That was kind of a conversation on FF7 Remake. So I went on to play without really talking about it too much up to chapter 14. And then, of course, Persona 5 Royal took over and I was going hardcore into that, getting things done. And I never got back to it. And then when I went to go back to it, guess what? Lightning struck, blew up my computer. Mm-hmm. Ruined FF7's remakes, ruined Persona 5 Royals. I was about 45, 50 hours into Royal, and I was on chapter 14 <laughs> of FF7 Remake. Okay? So I had screwed myself both ways because I went in FF7, and then I abandoned for Persona, and then never finished 7, and then got 40-something hours into Persona 5 Royal, and then all that went down. I had to restart. We talked about it earlier with the control. did the same thing. So... Here we are, 2020, later in the year. I went, uh uh-uh. It's FF7. I loved FF7. There's no way I'm not going to beat and play this game and be ready for part two. So I put it back in. I was on a camping trip and I said, this is the perfect time. I don't, I can't be online anyway. I can't do nothing with nobody. Nobody can bug me. Pop in FF7. I started playing and boom, just like that, it hit me. Yeah, I'm with Cloud, the music's pumping, I'm hopping off that train all over again. And instead of being like sad and angry that I'm doing this again, I was I was just happy. I was just like, oh yeah, this is pump Jesse's being all cool like she always is, you know, just copping those jokes, lightly flirting with you. Wedge and Biggs, both of them being freaking morons. Biggs giving you trouble, Wedge being the doofus, you know, and had a great time with it. I was like, okay, well, that, that started off real well. It just kept going and going and going and going. 
And as the story was going and progressing, I was never at any point like, oh, God, here we go again. Oh, God, man, dang it. I just loved it. I loved every bit of it. And I just enjoyed the hell out of it. I had already, since I played, obviously, up to Chapter 14 previously, the battle system, I already understood to the, to its core. I understood that you were supposed to incorporate the material here and there. You were supposed to make sure you were jumping between your players. All right. That combat system is phenomenal. And I, and I know they're not going to because we've just recently seen FF16, a little tidbit of how that combat's going to go. So they're not taking that exactly out of it, but I hope they get enough of it from FF7 remake to keep the spirit there because that, that combat system, I think is fantastic. Hopping from character to character, but never having to stay any too long on one. But you can stay on one if you want. It doesn't really hurt you as long as you know what you're doing. It was great. It was a lot of fun. I loved seeing all the characters again. I thought they nailed how Cloud was supposed to be. And of course, everyone talks about it. And I'm going to mention it too, because it brought just joy to my heart. Going into that bum- Bumblebee, uh, the Bumblebee Inn. You know, the Bumblebee Club and, and doing that whole dance scene with Cloud again. The first time, I was just sitting there like a dumb kid smiling and laughing. Thought it was the goofiest, craziest thing. I had so much fun with it. And then I did it again. Guess what? Laughing. Just having a blast with it. Got an even better score. Did it. I think I was almost perfect. I think I got one good instead of perfect. And that was it. And it was still amazing. And I was like, how did they turn this weird whole thing into something that's so fun, so cool? They did it. All right. And they nailed it. And then they kept all sorts of cool tie-ins from the old FF7 for you. Every time the story changed from what the original story was, you have ghosts come up and stuff. And so you can tell, hey, we know what the story is and was, and we respect it. We're changing it a little bit, and we're showing you that the game itself is trying to keep you on the path of what FF7 was, but we're changing it. And then they how they change it and who changes it, and the stuff starts getting revealed, things start coming into clarity. It was a wonderful title. And the characters were perfect. Bear was so freaking on point. I'm just saying that away from Persona 5, this game was just amazing. Like, the music is just freaking phenomenal in fact i i went out and got the soundtrack and everything because i'm just like god it's too good i cannot ha- not have this so final Fantasy 7 remake definitely number two deserves its spot i hope everyone gets a chance to play it even if you're not an rpg fan just really well put together and of course it gives you the promise of the future because you're getting a part two and a part three or however many parts they make and i can't wait to see them and i gotta encourage you matt get in there and play it man Get in there and play it. I, w- I wish I could just give it to you, but of course I bought it digitally, so I can't. Just give me your system. Just ha- hand it on over. I just, doop, 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 doop. just get it. It's 50% off right now. As a matter of fact, just today, sale went up 50% off. Not it's like bad. a $25 game right there for you. Well, man, speaking of games you can find on sale all the time, it's another one you can find on sale oh, all the time. Gosh. I will have to preface this one with a caveat and say that the rules that I've always put in for Game of the Year episodes when we do them, it's games that you played in 2020. It doesn't have to be brand new games that came out in 2020. Like most of the games we've talked about today have been. Mm-hmm. This one's not. This one is a game that my buddy Eric played, I think it was last year, because it was free on PS Plus. And as soon as he got done, he went, Matt, you need to play this game. You will absolutely love this game. And I think that was probably the tail end of last year. And I went, I'll get around to it sometime. 
I got around to it this year. It's what remains of Edith Finch. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I can't talk too much about it because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's listening to this and hasn't played it. If you haven't played it, you need to play this game. There's nothing I've played before that is simultaneously so exciting and so beautiful and yet so horrifying and fills you with dread as soon as you enter a scene in certain aspects. Basically, what's happening is you're a character going home to like the family home and you're walking through the different areas that these characters have lived in and finding different aspects of things that they've left or notes from them, learning about them, and then as you find the key item, you kind of get sucked into a day in their life and seeing what they're going through. And some of those scenes, like I said, are so awesome and amazing. Like the, I won't spoil anything, but I'll say the animals scene was amazing until it got terrifying. The swing scene was incredible until it became horrifying. Mm -hmm. And then some scenes you, as soon as you go into it, you know you're in for a bad time, but it's still somehow charming or beautiful or just like melancholy, but in like a like a sweet way. Like the the bathtub scene, I went, oh my God, I know what's happening here. But at the same time, what you can do in the game is so charming and beautiful and it tugs at your heartstrings even more when that thing happens that comes. And then, of course, the scene that everybody talks about, the cannery scene, mm-hmm. it's amazing but it's the same thing you're you're slowly ramping up and you're like this is awesome this is amazing and you get to that end point and you're doing this awesome thing that you know this other part of your brain knows is going to be awful and horrible and you have to do it because that's what the character did that's what they went through mm-hmm. that's a, that's the fate yeah. i can't recommend it enough it's it's a, a u- totally unique experience. It only takes like three hours to play through and get the platinum on, which I did. I checked my trophy times. I played it for three hours straight, went back in, did a couple of the extra scenes to get the platinum because once I started playing it, I couldn't stop and I didn't want to stop either. And as soon as I was done, I wanted to relive some of it again. And at the same time, it made me, it, I was horrified that I had to live through some of that stuff again. It's, it's amazing and I don't like I said I don't want to spoil it for anybody but it's it's thrilling and it's terrifying and it's heartwarming and it's heartrending all at the same time it's just it's just magic uh, I'll tell you uh, that game as I discussed way back when I did play it and told Matt he should be playing it it just was it was just something because it's just like you said it's so much fun to play through but every single time you're like oh no you know I don't I don't want this to happen. But it did, and that's the way it was going to be. You already knew, because that's why you're there. You're there to see what happened. This post. And I'll tell you, like, the berries and the kid, you know, that just, oh, I hated that one. I didn't like that one. So, you know, it was definitely one of those things where I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Uh, can anyone but this one? Give me the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, a fantastic pick, Matt. A good job, mm. I'd say. And now you make me want to, because I played a PC, and I, now I want to go play it on the PS5 mm. so I can get my platinum yeah. for it. Because, first off, I'd love to play it again. It was a fantastic game. But secondly, hey, like you said, three, four hours is a platinum. It's worth doing. That's a good idea. I'm going to be on that. Yeah. And, of course, we've come to the point. The last game of the night, or maybe two games. I don't know what Matt picked. I know what I picked. <laughs> you know what I picked. I know what you picked. <laughs> The game of the night 
the number one game of the year. And let me tell you, everybody listening, you know what we love. You mm. know, you knew what was going to be here. But mm. let, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, don't just go, oh, geez. The folks out there are stupid. All right? Let me tell you, they're stupid. They don't know what good games are. They just know what good money is and good and good views are and good clicks are. All right? Those are the games tied with being good that end up winning. This is a game that's truly just fantastically amazing in every way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. All right? Whether or not it gets clicks, which it won't because it's an RPG. And RPGs just do not get the same kind of clicks that other games get. Duh. We all know this. That's the way the world works. So therefore, this game, Tiny Game, will never be number one because it can't be because they need the clicks and they need the views and they need the hype to get the money to keep the whole system running. So let's be very blunt about that and be very honest about that. (laughs) This game deserves a spot at number one. It should be number one, but it can never be number one because money is the way the world works. And this game would never generate the money and the clicks needed to get number one. And that's Persona 5 Royal for me. Yeah. And now, let's not beat around the bush. Matt, what's your number one? Oh, uh, it's Persona 5 Royal. It, oh, was, oh, God. Oh, there was okay. absolutely <laughs> no chance for anything else. This was locked into number one. What Remains of Edith Finch was locked into number two as soon as I was done with it. There was absolutely no choice. And I got to say, even even other people you don't even know are idiots. Because I watched this dude on YouTube who is a big RPG gamer. And he was, he was talking about the Game Awards that Jeff Keighley did. And he went, well, you know, I guess I'm glad that Final Fantasy VII Remake won, uh, you know, best RPG of the year. Because, I don't know, I'd feel weird if Persona 5 Royal won it. Because it's kind of just a remake. You just said that about a remake, though. I don't know. I'm calling you out, Super Derek RPGs. You don't listen to this. You don't know who I am. You're a fool, sir. So it doesn't even matter. You're because a fool. Because this is the game of the year. <laughs> even even talking to someone who loves Final Fantasy VII Remake, this oh, is the game of the awesome. year. Yes. This is it, it's. I wouldn't say it's infinitely hands better, down. but this is hands down. It's hands down better. And I, I already told you why. I played the two at the same time, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't make it. It can't. Even at number two, and how much I love it, it doesn't, it just doesn't compare to Persona 5 Royal. Persona 5 Royal said, hey, Persona 5, how, oh, hey, everybody, you're an amazing game, right? You, you're deserving of game of the year, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I'm, I'm freaking amazing. I, I did everything great. You did? Hang on a second. Take my beer. Ain't that the old saying that used to be so popular? Hold my beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hold my beer. And then it just, it did it. It did it. It went, I'm going to make combat even better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to streamline the boss fights that had some issues and such. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to add characters here. I'm going to add a semester here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add a crazy couple new characters that are so freaking amazing and cool and tie in and you don't even understand how I did it. Boom. And it did it. It did it all. It was like if you went from Persona 4 to Persona 5, all those improvements, this was like this would be Persona 6 levels of jump in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Like everything was so smooth. Because everything was so smooth, it felt almost like a whole new game all over again. Yes, you did go and fight the same bosses and go through the same story, but it was a different experience. It felt new. It felt fresh. And for me, I started leveling up different characters, different social links. So it was a new experience for the me that was in the game. He made different friends or better friends than he did in the last Quicker. game. Mm-hmm. For me, what blows my mind, and I'm really sad that we didn't get to talk about it, 
is that extra dungeon they put on the extra semester and the extra dungeon. That I know we never it. did the finale. <laughs> they, they had all the other dungeons were tied to like, you know, seven deadly sins type of things. But that last dungeon, it was just a melancholy dungeon, melancholy experience. It was so sad. And like the tone was so different, but it made sense because of what everyone had gone through who was the boss of the dungeon or the main characters of the dungeon and just the the whole theming and feel of it it was so removed from what we had but it was perfectly done it was just as well crafted as all the other ones but it was just it was it was a whole new brand new experience it really was because from the beginning like i said they started to streamline things and you saw it right away and you were like oh man they made this better they made this quicker and immediately they started to introduce you to like side quests, things you can do. So instead of being like a little confused and trying to pick it up along the way, it was like, hey, no, you can go here to gain experience in this or gain your friendship levels here, do this. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you started being friends with whoever you want. And like you said, I changed up what I was doing for my Persona 5. I was like, well, I'm going to level this character up instead of knowing this and doing that. And then went about that, doing it a whole different way, having such a good time with it and seeing all the different areas. And then... What I didn't expect, the new character, Samir, or Kasumi before, of course, Kasumi knows who Kasumi is, Mm -hmm. coming in. Like, instead of it being like, okay, the game's the exact same up until this point, and then all of a sudden you're introduced to the new stuff because that's the easiest way to do things. Mm -hmm. Nope. From the word go, they introduce you to this brand new character and interweave her into your story Mm -hmm. all the way through and... I was just flabbergasted by that. I was like, that's not just them, you know, taking the cheap and easy way and going, ha ha, it's all the same. But then at the last stroke, here's this new character and the other new character. Nope. Mm -hmm. Both of them, the counselor, Maruki, and Kasumi, Samir, whatever you want to call her, comes in and just throughout the entire game, there they are interacting with you, spreading the seeds, getting it all set up for the whole ending. It, It was phenomenal. And the same thing with Akechi. Oh, I know. God. Actually being able to spend time outside of the story with him and see your rivalry start to develop in that sense. Before anything even happens in the story, you can see they're planting the seeds that should... I mean, this one should have been there before. But now that, should have. But now that you know, oh, it's sprinkled throughout so beautifully. And you, Oh, man. And I'll tell you what, the Akechi was uh, really good because... It could have gone that stupid route where you're like friends, but just for no reason enemies. Mm-hmm. But they made sure that no matter how much you hung out with Akechi, no matter what your interactions with him were, he understood that he hated you. You understood you hated him, but you respected each other. Yeah. You always were like, yeah, you're a piece of crap, but you're strong as shit, and I understand that. And it was the, you know, it was both ways. And so you'd have lunch together and be like, yeah, let's, let's have a little friendly competition. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's goof around, see who's better at doing this or doing that or whatever it was. And you always went back and forth. But at the end of it, it was always, yo, you got the best of me or I got the best of you. But don't worry, someday I'm going to kill you. Oh, no, I'm going to kill you. All right, man. Catch you later. And you say that as you and I did, knowing these characters and where they were going to end up. But I feel like, even if you didn't know that, it's built up well enough that you could he could just be this fancy boy who becomes your rival because you bested him once. He's he is that type of character. So if you don't know, then you you think that, oh man, he's just kind of being like a, a real dick about 
you know, me, me beating him at pool. But at the same time, there is the whole backstory that you and I knew going into it. So it's, if you don't know, it works. If you do know, it really works. It's even better. Yeah. It was great. And then Kasumi, you know, and then the, it was, it's Maruki, right? Yeah, Maruki it's is Maruki. the counselor's name. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. But so the whole thing with when Maruki being introduced there in, in the very first chapter. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you happenstance upon Kasumi slash Samuri. And it's like, oh, this is my counselor. And you're instantly like, wait a minute. Why do you need a counselor? What's going on? And it never tells you, of course. Mm-hmm. And so you're instantly, instantly go, something's weird. But then, yeah, you know, let's just play the game. I don't understand what. And and that's what's so beautiful about it. It's like, sure, if she has a counselor, cool. But why is he here for like in the school? Why is he here? Mm-hmm. Why isn't he somebody that she sees on her own personal time? Mm-hmm. Well, once you find out what's really going on with her, he has to be there because he if, has to always be there. <laughs> because if that illusion gets shattered or somebody has questions about it, they need to have somebody there to answer it and say, "These are the walls we have to put up and deal with right now." Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, oh, it's beautiful. It was so well put together. I mean, this story and how it interwove all the extra characters and that whole extra semester mm-hmm. was just phenomenally put in. Like, I, it, it boggles my mind just to even think about it right now, how mm-hmm. they crafted this whole tale and then later on went, you know what? We could have done even better. Mm-hmm. We could have done this and this and added this and did this and this and this and this. And, this. and then they put it all in. And somebody who loved Persona 5 thought it was a masterpiece, perfect, mm-hmm. didn't need to be better, didn't anything be done to it, went, oh, you made it just, wow, you did it. You made it better. You made it even better. Now, I couldn't even imagine playing Persona 5 because Persona 5 Royal is just god tier now. Uh-huh. This is the definitive version of this game. I was organizing some games for the collection and putting them in totes and stuff, and I saw the regular Persona 5 Steelbook, and I went, well, I can't ever play this again. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, sure you can, you put it in, but it won't be the same. You won't have yep. any of the cool stuff that got added. You won't have any of the cool characters. I'll be running around. Where's Kasumi? Oh, she's not here. I don't get that whole storyline. Oh, it's just crazy. Well, that, and that doesn't work. You know, that whole ending, you know, with the catchy and the whole flash and then, and then oh my gosh, uh-huh. and the taxi cab. It was wonderful. Uh-huh. It was just so flipping good that. I was just smiling ear from ear, and I said, "Man, I hope, I hope Persona Five Scramble, well, Strikers for the West, mm-hmm. is going to incorporate some of this." And of course, I did some research, found out that Maruki's not in it, mm-hmm. Samir's not in it, and I went, "Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They made it before the right. Royal was doing its thing, but at the same time, I'm like, is this going to be a complete?" And that's how good this is. I love Persona Five, but I'm like, and I'm going to play Strikers, obviously, hands mm-hmm. down. But I'm like. Is it really like canon? Is it really a real Persona 5 story? Because without Sumira Maruki, that's not even real anymore. It's not, this is not what it's supposed to be. Well, I think technically that's not canon. I think just regular Persona 5 is what's technically canon. Mm-hmm. And this is like a, this is the spinoff kind of. But it's, it's not fair. It's not fair. Because Sumir, you know, and I know you loved Kasumi better than Sumir. Yes. But I loved Sumir. I loved her. Oh, man. When she transformed and did that, I went, yep, there it is. Sorry, Kawakami. I mean, oh, no. Just could be, I didn't do it. I didn't oh, do it because yeah, I, yeah. I don't betray anybody. I couldn't do that. I can't, it's not my nature. But at the same time, I went, oh, me and Sumir, we could, 
we could have a relationship and a life together, but it's too late. Me and Kyle Kami already have children, and we're, <laughs> and we're moving to America. And and what I can't believe is, you know, not only is all this stuff great, but they actually saved a catchy for me. Like I mm-hmm. hated him, hated, hated, hated him the whole way through Persona Five regular, especially through Persona Five Royal. Oh, and then they man. redeemed him in that new semester. He was yes. a badass. He when he showed up and went, "Hey, I totally know what's going on. You know what's going on. Let's team up." I literally like punched my hands in the air. I wasn't on stream. I like was like, "Yes, thank you. Somebody's here to save me, and it's you." And now we're like evil bros together. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was it was the best. And then he had his little heroic arc at the very end. Like, he knows what's going to happen if you go and do the thing, and I'm trying not to spoil too much, even though it doesn't matter. I'll talk to you about it all day. But mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, there's no choice here. You have to go and do it, right? To I'm going to be super pissed, and I'm going to like, shoot you if you'd say no. So you say yes, and... You're, you understand? Yes, don't sh- no craps, dummy. I know what's going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And just the fact that he finally became who he was. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. He's like... He was like, oh, why don't we just murder him? And you're like, bro, relax. <laughs> Sound fun, but whatever. We'll play it your way. And I'm like, yeah, that's the catchy. Stop faking, man. You know what you are. Let's do it. I loved having him in that party at the end <laughs> when he's just wilding out every time the mm-hmm. team up attacks you had with him. And you're like, I'm being cool. And he's like, <laughs> going insane. Oh, which those team up attacks. We could talk about that for days. Mm-hmm. Those were just fantastic. Every time, I don't. It never got old. I watched no, every single one of them. Every time it popped up, and just mm-hmm. the the cool team, the the the, the wrestling ring ones, you know, uh-huh. the cool like the dancing flying around one. Oh, it's just premium. When Skull came to freaking Fox's bar and he made up the ramen, yeah. and it was and it was slightly different every time. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was like piled high with ginger. Sometimes it wasn't. And the yep. dude would be kicking the door, just boom. They'd be like, "What? You just interrupted?" Uh huh. Oh, oh that was so good. Or would he'd always bow to Makoto at the end, you know, give her a pop and she'd mm-hmm. get out of my face. <laughs> oh, so good. It was. Everything about that game just is perfection personified. Not bad. I, I don't yes. want to let it go on that end, but that's you're not you're not wrong. What what it I just got a real like sad flash in my head though, and I was like, God damn, we had this this year. We had Persona 5 two years ago. Mm-hmm. In between, we had some great games that we had loved playing. But I just realized we can't have – well, Strikers might do it. But I was like, we can't have an, an amazing, perfect gem just slot in next year. It'll be whatever games we feel like, maybe. Hopefully, Strikers does it. Cause Strikers? Wa- or, or Cyberpunk wants the fixes and, and everything come through? That's possible, Who too. Knows? But who's to say? All I can tell you, and this is, of course, not on the number one, but it is per, per part of this, is there's a huge rumor that the next Persona is going to be a huge reveal this year. I don't think it's going to come out this no, year, so don't get us, your hopes certainly. up. Yeah. Not for us. Maybe in the wintertime for Japan, but mm-hmm. there's going to be a huge reveal of the next Persona this year. That's the rumor going around right now. Oh, man. So. So in two years, maybe I can two hope years, that, that perfect slot will be right show, there. Right right. No problem. Uh, but like you said, maybe Strikers is going to do it. I hear Strikers is freaking fantastic. I hear everyone who played it thought it was amazing. I still can't wait to play it, but it just feels like 
now that we just shot that rocket to the moon with Persona 5 Royal again, it almost feels like you're you're starting over, even though yeah. you're not, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm sad, but I'm happy. I can't wait. All I know is that I want the Persona series to go on forever because it's so good. It's so good. And Persona 5 was so good, and Royal was so good. And, of course, I played Persona 4 Golden all the Mm. way through. Love that one. And I have nothing but this itch in my brain to play Persona 3 now. All right, folks, I'm telling you. If a game can make you decide that you want to go play some old-ass, old, old games from God knows when, Uh because it was so good that you can't stop thinking about it, it's something you might want to think about. Something you might want to go check out. And I think that's all there definitely is to be said. Persona 5 Royal, of course, you are the game of the year for Third Shift for 2020. This miserable year, you shone like a giant star in the heavens. You're the best thing of this year. Persona 5 Royal, there was no competition. But what about you guys out there in podcast listener land? What's your game of the year for 2020? Because it doesn't even have to be from 2020. Just a game you played in 2020 that's Chef Kiss Perfection. What is that? Let us know via the email, thirdshiftme at gmail.com. On the Twitter machine at thirdshiftme. And find us on Facebook under Third Shift. You can find us there. You can find us over on that Patreon, too. You want to send us off with a whole shebang? Consider going over there throwing us a tip. Yes. That's right. We treat it just like an old tip jar. One buck, two bucks, three bucks, five bucks, thousand bucks. Or maybe that coveted million bucks, in which case we'll open up the food line and change our whole lives forever and have BDs on the shelves. All right. And I just saw a BD the other day in a game called Cyberpunk something or rather. It's wait, crazy. Wait. What? You're using the wrong term. BDs are the horrible things. BB no! is the thing we're going to have. BB. That's show. it. We're not going to have BD. Oh my God. The whole store's going to explode. <laughs> We're going to have BDs. No! (laughs) It's going to be scary. Ah! (laughs) Oh, no. We're going to have BBs. That's it. We're going to have BBs there. There's BBs in other games. There's going to be BBs on our shelves. Consider throwing us a buck or two. We truly do appreciate it. Everyone who's helped us out in the past, we are honored to have gotten your dollar or two or five or hundred, whatever it has been. You guys and gals are all the very best to us. We appreciate it. But... I'll tell you this, if you've also just listened to us, we appreciate you too, because anybody and everybody who's ever been part of the Third Shift family, we love and adore and hope you stick around for the next year. We hope to have some fun stuff coming. We don't know what's happening. It's 2020 and going to 2021. I don't know what the world's going to be like, but we hope to keep giving you the podcast and doing stuff that makes you smile or laugh. By gods. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. It's 2021. It's coming. You said it. So next week's episode will be the first episode of 2021, and it's a third shift tradition. It's the resolution special. I don't, we'll be in the middle of quarter end. We'll be tired. We'll be grumpy. We'll be looking back on our resolutions we made from last year going, oh, man, I failed so hard. What am I even going to do with my life? Maybe it'll be the, <laughs> the episode where we hang ourselves or drive our cars off a bridge or something because we're so sad. <laughs> but you can check out that episode on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say... <laughs> If you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services because it does help us out and we really do appreciate it. We really do appreciate it and we hope to see you next week. But in the meantime, get on over there and give us that five-star rating, five-star rating, and tell me how much you love Persona 5 Royal because it is the best game in the whole wide world. <laughs> Y'all know it. And if you don't, you just suck a faces. Oh, that. There's nothing else to say, but... Don't, 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 don't,